You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. If you open your Bibles to Acts chapter 20, Acts chapter 20, and also I appreciate Pastor... Uh, doing that for the kids. I think this is the only church that's ever done it. And so uh, that's a blessing to them. They, uh, when they heard you explain that, they all, their ears perked up and they were looking at us like, what? And uh, we try to teach them not to be moochinaries. You've heard that term before. And so David uh, turned over to uh, Aunt Joanna and he said, while you were doing that, I don't know if you noticed it, and he said, Aunt Joanna, have you ever seen the missionary handshake? And she said no, and he went like this and then <laughs> turned his hand like that. Um, so we're trying not to do that. Trying not to do that. So, uh, But we appreciate it. It does mean a lot, and it really does. It's an encouragement, and uh, it, it may seem like something simple, something small, but that is a blessing. And who knows? I mean, the Lord's going to use our children, Lord willing, in some way. I mean, whether it be there back in Tanzania or here in the United States or some other country, and that's our prayer uh, that God would use them. All right, Acts chapter 20, and um, we'll begin reading in verse 22. If we'll stand for the reading of God's Word, Acts chapter 20, and I will read uh, verse 22. We'll read uh, the passage here, just a few verses. And now behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. Verse 24, but none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we come before you again this evening. I pray that you would fill me again with your spirit, Lord. Guide my words, guide my thoughts. Lord, I pray that you would allow me to have freedom to preach your word. And I pray that your people would be encouraged and uplifted and challenged. And uh, I pray that you would just meet with us this evening. We love you, Lord, in Jesus', this, in Jesus name. Amen. You may be seated. In 1968, uh, the Olympics that happened in Mexico City, some of you may remember that. Um, uh, obviously, I don't remember that. Uh, but in 1968, there were some Olympics there in Mexico City. An amazing story unveiled. It was in the men's uh, marathon, that division or that race. And uh, there was an African that uh, was running uh, that marathon. And uh, he had run in different uh, marathons all across the continent of Africa and had won and was favored to do well in this particular marathon. And, uh, and so they were all there, uh, these runners, and they started off. And um, this African gentleman, African runner, uh, his name is John Stephen Aquari. And uh, Mr. Stephen uh, made it, uh, had made it about halfway through the race, along with many others. And there were the front runners there, and they were all running together. And there was some, a little bit of jostling and some pushing. And right at that moment, uh, Mr. Aquari had uh, some of his muscles cramped up, and he fell to the ground. And he fell pretty hard. He was bruised. I believe he dislocated his shoulder or his uh, knee, something of that nature, uh, was, was bloodied. 
And uh, the pace car came up, and the medics came out and bandaged him up and said, we're so sorry. Um, we'll help you. You can get in the vehicle, and we'll take you back to the stadium. And he pushed them off. He said, no, 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 I want, I want to continue. And so he got up and started hobbling towards the finish line, uh, jogging a little bit, walking a little bit, uh, doing what he could, and he made it to the finish line. Of course, the uh, the, the ceremonies had finished. All of the, uh, the, the medals had been given. Uh, an Ethiopian won that day, and I, I don't even know his name, but um, uh, Mr. Aquare crossed the finish line. And uh, if you look up his name, John Stephen Aquare, you'll see the greatest last place finish of all time. And uh, not necessarily something you might want to be known for, but Mr. Aquari crossed the finish line, and uh, sometime after, they came and interviewed him and said, why would you do that? You know, why, there were 70 runners that didn't even finish the race uh, when they saw how far behind they had gotten. And so they said, why would you even do that? Why would you even uh, uh, worry about trying to finish? And this is what he said, and this is a statement I want us to think about. He said, my country did not send me 5,000 miles to start the race, they sent me 5,000 miles to finish the race. And this morning, I'd, or this, uh, this evening, I'd like to contrast that with our lives as Christians and use the story of this African runner who felt it important to finish the race that he started. And I want to encourage you that God didn't send you to Victory Baptist Church to start the race. He sent you here. He placed, he's placed you here to finish the race. So often we get discouraged or we get uh, a little bloodied or we get maybe somebody said something that uh, we didn't really appreciate. That never happens in Baptist churches, does it? And well, I didn't feel they treated me properly or whatever it may be. I don't know what it may be. Maybe it was something at your workplace, whatever. And you get a little beaten and battered. And oftentimes we get distracted and we get out of the race. William Carey one said, he said, I'm, I'm not afraid of failure. I'm afraid of, succeed, of succeeding at things that don't matter. And so often we get out of the race. We get out of the race of the, doing the things that are important and we get distracted running our own race, kind of running this side trail, running the things that we desire. Paul said here, verse 24, but none of these things move me. He was talking about he, he knew that in the future there were going to be bonds and afflictions. He knew that something uh, uh, not so good was about to happen. The Holy Spirit had showed that to him uh, on several different occasions. And he said, these things don't move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself. He was saying, uh, my desires, my maybe goals, my dreams, those are uh, of no consequence to me, he said, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry. I want to do what God wants me to do. I want to do the ministry God gave to me, which I've received of the Lord Jesus to do what? To testify the gospel of the grace of God. And so Paul was essentially saying what Mr. Aquari said. Um, he said, God didn't send me to this earth to, to quit or to get sidetracked or to be afraid of what, what's going to happen in the future. God sent me here to finish my course. God has a plan and a purpose for me. We get distracted by, and maybe it's not even something bad. Maybe it's not even something sinful. Maybe it's a job or a hobby or just our own personal dream, aspiration. Maybe it's simply complacency or apathy 
You don't really care as much as you used to in days gone by. Maybe you used to have a fire for the Lord, fire for serving God, fire for lost souls, fire for worldwide evangelism, and you kind of got distracted. And so this evening, I'd like to encourage you to not get distracted. You know, in Hebrews 12, 1 says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which just so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. And so it talks about two things here. Sin, yes, if, if there's sin in your life that's distracted you, repent of that, get rid of it, and get back on track. But maybe it's just simply a weight, not something necessarily sinful, but it's distracting. It's causing you to stray. It's not allowing you to move forward and run the race that is set before you. You know, Paul could have easily said, I've been beaten. I've been stoned. I've been shipwrecked. So I'm going to take it easy for a while. And I'm going to just kind of plug in somewhere and uh, just go low key for a while. I'm just going to attend church Sunday morning and just be low key. I, I kind of I'm worn out. But Paul didn't do that. He said, I've got a race that's been set before me, and I'm going to finish that course. I'm going to finish that race. And so um, this evening, I want us to look at the example of Paul and look at the race that was set before Paul. What did Paul uh, view as his race? What was his race? What was it that Paul uh, knew he had to do for the Lord? In Romans chapter 1, verse 1, we see Paul referring to something that he referred to himself many times and we'll break it down and look in uh, different categories and different areas of Paul's life. But he says this in Romans 1.1, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God. He uses the word what? Servant. Paul was a servant. And we are all called to be servants. We are all, the race that is set before us is simply to be a servant, to serve the Lord. And we'll look at the different aspects uh, as we look at Paul's life. But number one, Paul became a servant to his Lord. And each one of these areas, I want us to look in our own lives and say, am I doing that? Because uh, this applies to all Christians, to every single one of us. And so Paul says, uh, um, you know, I, I've been beaten, I've been battered, but I'm serving the Lord. And this is the course that is set before me. I've become a servant to the Lord. In 1 Thessalonians 4, 1, the Bible says, Furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as ye have received us, how ye ought to, uh, how ye, how ye ought to walk and to please God, so you would abound more and more. Paul endeavored to, there's a phrase in there, to please God. He was serving the Lord. He was endeavoring to please God. And you ask, am I serving the Lord? Are you serving the Lord? Uh, ask yourself, who are you trying to please? Uh, that, that is an easy litmus test for who you're serving. Who are you trying to please? Are you trying to please a boss? Are you trying to please uh, maybe a desire, a dream of your own? Are you trying to please an individual? And of course, it's not bad to uh, do your best and, and, and try to do your best in these things. That's not what we're talking about this evening. But who do you live for? Are you living for the Lord? Are you trying to please the Lord, to please God with your life? Paul, the course that was set before him was to become a servant to his Lord. I'm encouraged, or I was encouraged two weeks ago, I was preaching on surrender, a different message, and um, after the service, it was actually at a chapel, 
And uh, my son, Andrew, um, he's just six years old or eight years old. And uh, he, he came to me after the service. We were in our van. And uh, he said, Dad, I surrender to do whatever God wants me to do. And boy, how encouraging that was to me as a father. David and Kate have both surrendered to do whatever God wants them to do. And they don't know what that might look like, but they're surrendered. And saying that you're going to serve the Lord, that's simply being surrendered to whatever it is that God wants you to do. Does God want me to help out in a Sunday school class? Does God want me to help out in a bus ministry? Does God want me to, to be a part of, uh, uh, I think Pastor mentioned the uh, the New Testament's going out all across this city. And what an opportunity. If you're not going to be a part of that, man, get a, be a part of that. Being surrendered to the Lord's will. I wonder, are you fully surrendered to whatever it is that God would have for your life? Have you surrendered? You know, I think about Tanzania, the shortest war in history, the, the quickest time for the white flag to go up and say, I surrender, is between Britain and Tanzania. It was part of uh, Zanzibar back then, Tanganyika and Zanzibar. And in 38 minutes, the British Navy said, all right, we declare war if you don't. And they said, we're not backing down. And in 38 minutes, they raised the white flag. So often we get determined in our own lives to try to do it our own way rather than simply saying, Lord, I'll surrender. And oftentimes we may even say, Lord, I surrender anything, whatever it is, but just not my kids. I don't want them to be missionaries. I've got plans for them. Lord, I surrender anything, just not my future. Lord, I surrender anything, just not this, not part of this budget or whatever. I don't know what it is, but are you fully surrendered? Could you tell the Lord this evening, God is your witness. Could you say, Lord, you know my heart. I'm fully surrendered. Whatever it is that you want me to do, Whatever it is that you want me uh, to give, whatever, wherever you want me to serve, Lord, you know I'm fully surrendered. I encourage you to be fully surrendered, whether you're a young person saying, Lord, I'm, I'm willing to go. If, Lord, if you, would, if you would send me to Africa, I'm willing to go. Lord, if you want me to stay right here and serve in, in this local church, Lord, I'll do it. I'll do whatever it is that you want me to do. Everybody needs to be surrendered. Because if you say, I'll do anything except then you're not fully surrendered. And many times, those individuals are not able to be fully, be fully, uh, man, there's the Swahili and English coming in. Servants of God, you're not able to do all that God has for you. God has great plans for each one of us. As I said this morning, God has gifted each one of us with different things and, and, and given us abilities and ways that we can serve him. Uh, but we cut ourselves short when we say, ah, but I'm not going to do that. Being fully surrendered. Have you ever surrendered to the mission field? I think oftentimes we're afraid to surrender because we're afraid God might call us. Would you be okay with your children surrendering to the mission field and saying, Lord, if you want me to go to a mission field, I will. I read a crazy statistic. They said, statistically, you have a better chance of being in a plane crash than being one of the few missionaries to the unreached. Do we feel like the need has lessened over the years? Do we feel like that we don't really need missionaries like we did 50 years ago? Is there an overabundance of people running to the mission field? You know, there are times we may, you know, 
uh, will do something neat there in Tanzania. And sometimes my brother-in-laws will joke me and say, must be nice to be a missionary. Um, and I, I tell them, hey, fields wide open, come on over. <laughs> um, but honestly, obviously, not everybody's going to be a missionary. God's not going to call everybody. But I promise you this, God's calling more than are going. And I, I believe it's because people just won't surrender. Surrender. Let God take care of that. Say, Lord, I'm willing. I'm willing. I'll just surrender. Lord, I don't, need, I don't know how I could do it. I remember standing in the back of the auditorium when I felt, I referenced it this morning, when I felt the Lord pricking my heart and saying, you need to go forward. You need to surrender. I didn't necessarily want to go back to Tanzania. That's where I'd grown up. And people kind of assumed it and asked me, well, you're going to go back to Tanzania. And uh, I'd kind of balked on that, not necessarily in a rebellious way, but just I didn't want to go back to Tanzania just because. But the Lord said, no, I want you to go. You need to surrender to that. And so I did. And so um, being fully surrendered, are you surrendered to be a servant to the Lord? Truly a servant to the Lord. Paul became a servant to the Lord. That was the race that was set before him. I wonder what teen, what couple. You know, my parents were 30 years old when they surrendered to go to Tanzania. They're, They're still there to this day. And I wonder where I would be had they not surrendered. Obviously, God could have still um, sent me to Tanzania, but man, growing up there, learning the language and the culture, uh, being able to get right into things. And some of the men I'm working with now, I've known since I was 12, 13, 14 years old. Tito, uh, Tito, one of my right hand men, uh, I've known him for 30 years. He was just five years old uh, when we went to Tanzania and met him for the first time. And he trusted Christ. He's the one running our radio station, doing a lot of the preaching now, uh, running the boys' home, and and a lot of different other outreaches and teaching and preaching. And so uh, just be surrendered. Just be surrendered. Lord, whatever it is, I'm willing to do it. Paul was a servant to the lost. To the lost. Romans 1.14, he says, I'm a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. Paul was giving himself, giving of himself. He's saying, I'm a debtor. I'm a servant. I give myself. He said in 1 Corinthians 9.19, for, uh, for though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all, that I might gain the more. Paul was saying, I'll become their servant so that I can gain them, so that I can win them to Christ, so that I can share the gospel to them. I'll serve the lost. I'll get the gospel to the lost. Paul is saying, I want to reach as many people as I can, so I'll be their servant. Servant to the Lord, servant to the lost. I wonder, are you being a witness? We touched on this again this morning, but, but we can't overemphasize the importance and the need of God's children, we as Christians, to be a witness to the lost. You know, I recently read a statistic that said 72% of Americans don't, don't, know, don't know their next door neighbor. I wonder, would that be indicative of you as a Christian? Have you ever stopped by your neighbor and said, hey, neighbor, I want to just give you a gospel track. I want to invite you to our church. I see you from time to time. I know we wave, but I just wanted to invite you to church. Maybe you already have a place you go, uh, but just wanted to give you this gospel track. If they push you off, that's between them and God. If they start building a fence or planting their rose garden two feet into your property line, you get to know them real quick, don't you? They come out there with a, a digger or something and 
putting in some line, you'll get to know them real quick, but do we share the gospel with them? I want to tell you the rest of the story about Mr. Aquari. I actually heard about his story here in the United States. Uh, I was at a missions conference, and somebody asked me, Do you, have you ever heard of Mr. Aquari, John Stephen Aquari? And I hadn't, and I looked him up, and it's a Tanzanian. He's a Tanzanian runner that represented Tanzania in that 68 Olympics. And so I looked him up, and uh, I couldn't find really any way to communicate with him. So through the Olympic, the Tanzanian Olympic Committee, I finally got his cell phone number. And um, I remember the day I called him, I thought, man, there's no way this guy's going to answer. You know, I didn't know if he was still alive. So I called him, and he answered in the village of Mbulu. I said, this is Pastor Jerry Wyatt. And uh, I'd like to invite you to be one of our honored guests to our soccer crusade. And so we uh, paid for his ticket to come to Morogoro. It's about 14 hours. He's an elderly man. Um, it's 50 years after the 68 Olympics. And so uh, he came and we honored him. And so he was our honored guest at uh, that crusade. He was there on Sunday with our church people. Of course, our church people, many of them knew his story, uh, being a national hero for what he did. And, and uh, his story is still told. And um, so he was there with us Saturday. He was there with us Sunday, all day Sunday, our Sunday morning. We have a soccer Sunday, so big outreach, trying to get soccer players to come uh, to our church. And uh, Sunday evening, we were eating out. It was... Uh, it was late, and we were at a restaurant, and I'd been kind of looking for a good opportunity to share the gospel with him. And so after the meal, everybody's still talking. I scooted up next to him. I said, Mr. Quadri, if you were to die today, do you know where you would go? And he said, no. And I shared the gospel with him. And one of those surreal moments, of course, uh, every soul is important, and every person that I witnessed to is important. But one of those surreal moments as this Legend bowed his head and trusted Christ as his Savior. And you know, there are two exciting things about that. One, he'll now truly be able to finish the race, right? He'll be able to meet his Savior in heaven. Another exciting thing is, those of you who have been giving to missions, you had a part in Mr. Aquata receiving the gospel. Isn't that neat? And if you haven't, as I said this morning in Sunday school, man, what a missed opportunity. Because that's just, he's representative of just one, that's one name. I just recently, a week, a week or two ago, I had never done it. Um, but I went through all of our records and just calculated up all of the people that have trusted Christ since we've been there in Tanzania through the different outreaches. And every week, people are trusting Christ every week, whether it's through the radio or through soul winning or uh, through our Bible clubs, through our public schools. And uh, 24,000 people have trusted, over 24, have trusted Christ over these past almost 13 years now and continue to trust Christ. Even while we're not there, people are continuing every week. Uh, I, I see the reports and continuing to trust Christ. And you've had a part in that. You started giving before we even went. And you've had a part in every single one of those souls that have trusted Christ. And that's exciting. That's what we're talking about, servant to the lost, being a witness where God has placed you, being a part of worldwide evangelism, praying for your missionaries, giving to missions, having a part. And I wonder, are you a witness where God's placed you? Are you? Would you consider yourself a servant to the lost? Are you a witness? Are you a bold witness for the Lord? And ask the Lord to give you boldness. 
We all can use boldness. Paul was a servant to his brethren. In Romans 15.1, We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Do you love your fellow Christian? Do you love your uh, at work? Well, it doesn't really matter at home. Are you a servant to others? To those around you, husbands, are you a servant to your wives? Wives, are you a servant to your husbands? Parents, are you servants to your children? Do you care about others? Do you serve others? There in Tanzania, it's something we, we, we teach and press because it's very much of a, a father-man-dominant culture. And men will just kind of boss around, even women from, hey, hey, lady, give me a drink, you know. Um, and uh, teaching, hey, we're, we're all to be servants. Mom and dad, be servants to your children. Um, something very anti-cultural. Uh, but we're not there to teach American culture. We're there to teach Bible culture. And so, Christian, I wonder, are you a servant to others? Serving the Lord, serving the law, serving your fellow Christian. That's the course. That's the race God set before us. Let us not use maybe some excuse for why we're not running the course. Some excuse, something that happened that maybe is negative. Maybe it, you were done wrong. Maybe somebody did, d- didn't treat you properly. Could you find it in your heart to forgive them and get back on course? That's what God would ask us to do. Get back on course. Servant to the law, servant to our Lord, servant to our fellow Christians and those around us. Could you say as Paul at the end of his life, the goal of every Christian should be to be able to say as Paul in 2 Timothy 4.7, I fought a good fight. I've finished my course. I've kept the faith. So that we can hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. One day. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. I wonder, Christian, Maybe you're like Mr. Aquatera. You, you were running the race. You were on fire for the Lord. But somewhere you got distracted. Somewhere you, you, you were treated improperly. Somewhere somebody said something. Life got tough. Circumstances beat you up. I hope you'd get up and say, God didn't send me here to start the race. It's easy to start the race. God didn't give me salvation to start, to, to just, uh, uh, to start. He gave it to me so that I might finish the course that's been set before me. Let's finish the course that God set before us. He's called us all to be His servants, to serve others, to serve the lost, to be witnesses, to be a part of worldwide evangelism, to do our part, everybody doing their part. I want to encourage you, get back up. Maybe you've fallen. Get back up. Maybe you say, you know what? I, I, I feel like I've been, I, I've been doing what. Keep on. Keep on keeping on. Continue serving the Lord. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.